When we think of forming bonds in a relationship, we think of closeness, trust, and intimacy. But how would you describe a bond with a cluster B? Some may call that a trauma bond. Welcome to this podcast of My Inner Torch. So this relates to a lot of previous podcasts where I have sort of focused attention on why we are so attached to our cluster B. What keeps us coming back? What keeps us staying? And I have to say that one of my theories is trauma bonding. So what is a trauma bond? Trauma bonding occurs when you feel bonded with or are sympathetic towards an abusive partner, parent, or friend. An abuser often alternates between treating you poorly and showering you with positive attention. Sound familiar? These alternating forms of treatment can lead to a strong psychological bond. Trauma bonding can lead to low self-esteem and development of mental health disorders such as depression. So recognizing the signs of trauma bonding may actually help you avoid or take necessary steps to break this bond. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, yes, I'm trauma bonded. And even though I've come out of the fog, even though I see my wife for who she is, which is an abuser, no two ways about it. Doesn't matter whether she's a narc, a borderline, a psychopath, doesn't matter. She's an abuser. And over two decades, I have formed this incredible bond. It's not built on intimacy. It's not built on trust. It's not built on love. It's built on traumatic events. So yeah, how do you identify it? Well, number one, are you justifying or defending your cluster B's behavior? According to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, survivors of domestic violence or abuse typically describe that their partner displayed perfect or wonderful behavior 90% of the time and only 10% of the time together was the problem. The overall good behavior is what allows the bond to form in the first place. So that's the sex bombing and the love bombing. It also may lead for you to seek ways to justify your cluster B's behavior when they exhibit unhealthy traits or behaviors. You might find yourself making emotional allowances for them. I've talked about this in previous podcasts or making excuses such as, oh, well, you know, they're just having a bad day or, well, gosh, I shouldn't have done that to cause them to feel the way they are or the way that they are reacting. The second sign of trauma bonding may be that you constantly think about people who hurt you. Whether the person is a former romantic partner, relative, or friend, if you find that you incessantly think about them even after they're gone, you probably have a trauma bond with them. In other words, you find it hard not to think about them or fantasize about being with them or around them again despite their abuse. This is why so many people go back to abusive relationships. This is why we are hoovered back. This is why we remain Because we're always thinking about, well, you know, there was a time when they were good. There is that good person in them. 
Folks, that good person never existed. That was an act. And the sooner you understand and realize that, the better off you are. The sex bombing, and I like calling it that because that's what it is. The love bombing, eh, you know, I still have, I'm still on the fence about it because I wouldn't call it love bombing. These people don't love. They sex bomb, sure. But is that love? No, it's not. The third symptom of trauma bonding is that you still want to help them. So similar to incessantly thinking about the cluster B who caused you harm, you may be showing signs of trauma bonding if you're constantly trying to help the person despite a history of abuse from them. Is this you? This include thing, This could include things like offering to shovel their driveway after a snowstorm because you want to see them again. You want to be around them. You want their validation, helping them with paying their bills, offering to pay for their groceries, paying for their cell phone or internet service, helping them out because you want their love. You want their validation. Number four is that you're not willing to leave. You know, this is my problem. Not willing to leave, not willing to get out of the relationship, even though you know, even though you understand, even though you accept. You may have a trauma bond if your cluster B treats you poorly or has repeatedly broken your trust, but you're still unwilling to leave the situation or break your bond with them. Now, I understand that leaving can be very difficult. Mixed emotions definitely come into play. We we all don't want to start over. Financial uncertainty comes into play and other considerations make it very difficult to leave. But choosing to leave can help prevent escalation of this abuse that we are incurring. Number five, you try to cover for your abuser's behavior. Covering for a cluster B's unhealthy behaviors can take several forms, such as what we just talked about, making excuses for them, getting defensive, when speaking to family and friends about them, distancing yourself from family or friends because you don't want to hear the truth. You don't want to face it. They see it. You are still in the fog. So even after you leave the relationship, you may still be silent about their behaviors and abuse. This is due to a variety of reasons, including shame. I felt that feeling like no one will believe you or fear of retribution and punishment. Number six, you don't share your true feelings or opinion. If you feel you can't be yourself around your cluster B, it could be a sign of trauma bonding. This can include not being willing to share your feelings, opinions, or thoughts. You may also find that you start to match their thinking either to please them or to prevent them from getting angry, walking on eggshells, always presuming their behaviors. So how do we break this trauma bond. So it can be very difficult. It's, it's, it is possible. It is possible to break a traumatic bond with a person with a cluster B. So some ways that you may be able to break that bond include focusing on the truth, the truth. If your partner doesn't take any steps to make changes or improvements in themselves, it may be time to believe what you're seeing or not seeing over their promises, the future faking, the hoovering, the pleading, not in the case of my wife. She never pleads. She never, she never basically says sorry. And she has absolutely no desire to change her behaviors. 
You need to focus on the current situation, the nostalgia for the past. This is something that we keep going back to. Reminiscing about good times with cluster bees reinforces this traumatic bond that we have. Instead, I would encourage that you focus on what the current situation is like and how it makes you feel currently. Keeping a diary may help you to organize your thoughts on this and reflecting back on it. And also learning about self-care. Another reason that we stay invested in these abusive relationships is because they provide us with comfort despite the abuse. So to help us cope, consider learning about practicing self-care routines. It's not selfish. This may help reduce your dependency on your cluster B for support. Looking to them to help you ain't going to happen. Practice positive self-talk. Being in an abusive relationship can lead to a lower self-esteem. So positive self-talking and recognizing when you're being overly negative about yourself can help you to improve your own self-image. This may also give you the confidence you need to leave the situation. And again, knowledge is power. This is why you listen to podcasts like My Inner Torch is to learn, to hear, to be reinforced that you're not crazy and to take away the doubt that you are being abused, to take away the doubt that you have a trauma bond. It's, it's not the end of the world. It's nothing wrong. It's who you are as a person. You've attached yourself to this person. You've committed yourself to this person and they are not worthy of it. It's as simple as that. Myinnertorch at gmail.com. I really do appreciate hearing people's different scenarios. I appreciate knowing that perhaps this podcast amongst others is making a difference. Please, if you get an opportunity, leave a positive review on whichever platform you happen to be listening to My Inner Torch on. It makes this podcast available to other survivors, other people who are combating this abuse. This abuse is no different than somebody beating you up physically. And I would hasten to say, and I've said this before, not to take away anything from somebody being physically abused. It's not right. It's painful, but the psychological torture that these people put us through is equally bad and it's not as visible. We hide it. I can't see it in people, the hell that they go through. People can't see the hell that I go through because it's not visible. I don't walk in with a black eye. I don't walk in with bruises. I don't have a broken arm, but I may as well have because Verbal and emotional abuse is not right. Abuse is not love. So we have to stop interpreting that and stop looking at our cluster B and making excuses for them saying, well, this is just the way they are. They had an abusive upbringing. You know, they had a tough childhood. I need to help them. I need to fix them. No, you don't because you can't get that through your mind. It's a noble cause. And believe me, I have been there and I have fought to try to save my wife's sanity, but there is nothing to save. 
And if tomorrow we get divorced, she will repeat the same scenario with somebody else. And the same outcome will replay itself time and time again. We have to stop being selfish, hanging on to these people with some strange notion that we don't want to share them with other people. We have to hang on to them because they're just so wonderful. They were so great. And we don't want them to be so great with somebody else. And perhaps that's a topic to discuss in the next podcast. Be well. And in whatever you do, be good. This has been my Inner Torch.